You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let me open us up with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for just the opportunity to come out and uh, talk about an important topic. Um, please bless our conversation. Um, stir in us uh, the um, motivation to include all members of your church, Lord, and to find ways um, to learn from them and uh, to help them learn your gospel as well. It is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that I pray. Amen. Okay, so this week we're continuing our our series, our two-part series on helping others. Oh, yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Helping others in the special needs community. I was hoping we'd have a few more people because this uh, this week we're actually doing a little more um, discussion-based stuff. Because as I was reflecting on this, I realized um, I can talk all day about this stuff, but unless we talk specifically about individuals that we know and then specifically about the advents, I mean, this is just going to remain theoretical here. Um, So we're going to do a quick recap of what we did last week, and then we're going to talk about a few more practical things. I actually brought a few, a couple books that um, I've scanned over, and then like a a, uh, issue of Christianity Today um, that just if anyone wants to take a look at them, like might you know be helpful in the future. Um, And then I just want to end with us talking about um, what we can specifically do at the Advent, what that might look like, what conversations we need to have. Um, even people like who would be good at maybe heading up a group to just kind of move us from um, one phase of of integration of people with special needs to another. Um, So let's go ahead and begin. Uh, So for last week, we went over, um, we had our goal was to start thinking biblically about people with special needs and to recognize their contributions to the church. So just just even begin starting to do that, I think, was progress. Today, is, uh, our, our goal is to discuss practical ways that the Advent can become co-laborers with people, for, with people with special needs. And I think that term, I stole that from this article from Christianity Today. Um, I think that's important because a co-laborer uh, definition emphasizes uh, reciprocity, uh, that we're receiving and we're giving from, from both uh, from people with special needs. So let's recap. Uh, last week, we went over what does it mean to be human, um, and we went over, uh, we, we came up with this definition. Uh, to be human is not to excel in cognitive function. To be human is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Jesus is the perfect human in every sense of the word. Um, and so, therefore, to be conformed to the image of Christ uh, takes away from the kind of Western philosophical emphasis on the intellect, on cognition, and uh, focuses it much more in a relational um, communion with God, communion with each other kind of framework. And then we looked at scripture uh, and asked what parts of the body are we neglecting with an emphasis on 1 Corinthians um, 12, 13 and verses 25 through uh, 21 through 25. Um, for in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, abled or disabled. And all were made a drink of one spirit. And then skipping to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, and this is something that was pointed out um, in one of the books I'm going to show uh, here in a second. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
Um, I think that's interesting that Paul doesn't even actually classify them as weaker. He just says that to our appearance, they seem as if they're weaker. Um, and in those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Our, and our unpresentable parts we are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So, um, this article that I was reading in Christianity Today opened up with this quote. Um, it was written by, let's see, what's her name? Uh, Amy Julia Becker. She wrote this article for the May issue of, um, the May 2018 issue of Christianity, to, Christianity Today. And this is something that someone said to her as she was about to give birth to her daughter Penny, who has Down syndrome. And I think it's important to kind of keep these sort of things in mind because too often, we focus on the disabling portion of people with disabilities. That's that's what's kind of front in our face. And yet, um, to even say to an expectant mother, like th this kind of blew her away. This was something that was like, she was used to getting sympathy, and this was a, a positive way of framing things, that like she was expecting someone with special needs to have a ministry of her own. And that sort of blew her away. Um, so this book, let me pull it out real quick. I was looking through this the other day. So here's the Christianity Today magazine that I was talking about. If anyone wants to kind of look through that, that's the cover story there. Um, saw that lying around at Beeson was pretty good. Um, this was I went to a conference at Sanford on church integration of individuals with special needs and picked up a couple books. Um, and so I was flipping through this yesterday, actually by Barbara J. Newman in Accessible Gospel and Inclusive Worship. And she begins with an illustration of um, puzzle pieces. And she says that she has lying around her office and her home and her church these, uh, these puzzle pieces that are colored both green and pink. And that's a constant reminder for her that we are all puzzle pieces, I guess, in the body of Christ. She didn't, didn't go that far, but I'm assuming something like that. Um, but that the green and the pink indicate our strengths and weaknesses. And so the green sort of is just indicative of the fact that we all have strengths and things to contribute, and the pinks is our hot spots. But too often, especially when we see people with disabilities, we think of them as purely a pink puzzle piece. And we have to get out of that framework, and we have to start recognizing that they have green on them as well, even if it's not quite as evident. Um, I remember... I mean, so I can speak to other people's experiences or, or tell these stories, but it's more impactful, I think, if I speak of my own. I just remember even um, experiences in my own life. Uh, after church one day, um, I, I got into a conversation with some woman and was just kind of telling her about my story and everything. And I mentioned um, that my brother had Down syndrome. And like her immediate reaction was one of, it was compassionate, but it, it, was, it was immediately pity. Um, and I just thought that was like kind of striking. Like I wasn't offended by it or anything like that, but it did bother me to some degree because, it, and, and I've experienced this and my family's experienced this as well, is that there is a recognition that there's pain and difficulty and suffering that comes along with this, but that's so often the only thing that we see and the, and the thing that we narrow in on. And that's like almost what we want to define this person is the pink spots. And so it's like they're entirely a pink puzzle piece. And so, in this framework, she wants to say that, no, we all have pink and green aspects to our, our puzzle piece, and we want to really um, 
ask the question, what are the green areas, especially for people that it's harder to, to, to be readily available to see. So the question we need to ask then is, what can that person do? Um, rather than focusing on what their disabilities are, and we need, we need to know like their needs, we need to ask the question, and this is where, because disability is such a broad category, because um, even if we just take one particular disability like Down syndrome, there's such amount of variations within that, um, it, then to step back and then include autism or a whole bunch of other disabilities, like you can't peg it down to any one, like to one size fits all thing. So we have to take, when ministering to people with special needs and when in, and identifying their gifts, we have to focus in on the individual and ask where are their strengths? What can they do? What can they contribute? Um, Maybe, maybe like the choir isn't the best place for them. Kind of thinking about, you know, you know, like that's that's they they may, you know, especially at a place like the Advent, which uses professional singers and stuff like that. And maybe something that they want to do, but it just like I wouldn't fit in that choir there either. But maybe there's something else that like the ability, they're incredibly social and joyful, and they would make a wonderful greeter. My brother kind of does that. He hands out bulletins at. Um, our church back home in Orlando. Or I think about my Aunt Joy, who I uh, pointed out last week. Um, she can't drive, but has volunteered um, at a local nursing home for years on end. And honestly, I think has like a really good gift with elderly people. Um, she's patient. She like, emphasizes friendship to the point that it can become problematic, honestly, because she'll get herself in some codependent relationships that aren't healthy for her, but that's another story. Um, but she's like come home and talked about how like there's this 90 year old woman whose family has basically abandoned her and like how she'll light up whenever Joy would come in. She's this woman has since passed away. But like these are people who have been kind of forgotten in their own light. And it's interesting that my aunt, who is sort of forgotten, has been able to minister to them. And so like she has her own gifting there of just like a passion for the elderly. That's a really good example of how you're talking about to be human, to be fond of being yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, and then so so some of these things though, in identifying this, we need to recognize that there's going to be some awkwardness involved. Um, like we putting my brother as a greeter, a lot of people aren't going to know exactly how to react to that um, at first. And I think we need to recognize that that's okay. Like it's okay for people to feel awkward for a little bit, and that people will adapt over time. That you that I think in the church we need also set like have conversations with the leaders and have them on board, um, setting the example of how to empower and treat and minister to and be ministered uh, from these people in order that the congregation will kind of eventually see it as normal that it is that it is something that okay yeah this person might need a little more help here might need a little more patience. Um, but that they actually do have things to contribute. We also need to take into account that there's going to be different ways of learning. Um, I mean, it's it's especially in recent years we've you know talked about the problems with things like standardized testing, recognizing that some people just learn differently, and maybe taking the SAT isn't doesn't mean that like if they get low scores on that doesn't mean that they're stupid. It just means that they learn sort of differently. And I think people with special needs um, kind of fall into this category as well. Uh, and so we, again, can't kind of fall into this one-size-fits-all um, for pigeonholing them into ways that they can learn or even minister. And I think, honestly, being in a denomination like Anglicanism really sets us up for success in this way because 
the way that we learn and the way that we worship is actually kind of multifaceted. Um, so just think about liturgy. Um, a lot of individuals with special needs, especially on the autistic spectrum, thrive on repetition. And so being able to come in and participate with a confession where, okay, this is the part that we kneel, this is the part where we stand up, this is the part where we sing something, this is the part where we go up and we receive communion, this is, um, we engage in this in this sort of music, and the fact that there's like, it's not just a sitting down and hearing a sermon, that's a big part of our worship, but it's not just limited to that as well. There's, there's feeling in the sense that they receive like the bread in their hand, there's tasting, um, and I think like we, it can't just be limited just to the Sunday service, but if we add a strong, on their level, catechetical element to it of explaining like, this is Jesus broken for you, and let's let's talk about communion um, in a way that is understandable for them. That that's uh, that's that's incredibly important. So also making the gospel accessible. This kind of goes along. Um, Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Make, so, uh, yeah. Um, this sort of goes along with that. And Matt Schneider has a good, um, a good, uh, Sunday school lesson that he and Holly did. You can find it online, uh, where he talks about what he does with his children every morning. Um, they have like this, as they're having breakfast, they have this, uh, sort of catechetical, musical, it's chaotic sometimes, just, um, uh, time of prayer and worship where they've listened to, I can't remember who does it, but it, if you go and you find the lesson, he mentions like the people who put it out, but it's like um, a series of catechetical questions that are the call and responses are set to music and sometimes strangely so because there'll be like the really damning judgmental like aspects that are sung to like a very cheery one, like, you know, will God let sin go unpunished? It's like, surely he won't, but it's really like this cheerful, you know, but it like gets in their heads. Um, and he is there right, right, right. Okay, okay. So I think that was yeah, yeah. And there's there's a couple other ones. And then I saw like up in the book sh- store um, as I was milling about up there, they had some CDs. I think for like individual yeah. ones as well. Um, so so things like that um, I think are helpful in terms of ministering to them. Um, and s- Barbara Newman talks about as well something called just just the importance of habit. And so she gets into a little bit of a section called vertical habits here where she gives us about eight things that are in our worship already, um, but tries to sort of simplify them. So she talks about praise, that for someone who we're trying to get this across, we can just, the simple concept of telling God I love you, um, reiterating that to them in, in terms of confession, just telling God that I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Um, and I think it's important, like, having a tension between understanding that it is important to preach the gospel um, to people with special needs and and continue to teach them so that they learn as much as they can, but also not get caught up on the fact that, like, their salvation is not contingent upon how much they can pair it back to you, on how much that they can... Um, that faith is not limited to, though it does include, is not limited to being able to understand complex ideas. Um, and that their love can be expressed in a sort of simplicity and sort of trust. And I really like Luther on this because this is Luther's argument for infant baptism was uh, just like, who are we to say that infants don't have faith? 
and he gives an argument that like an infant knows its mother and father. Um, you, you give an infant over to a stranger and it's going to start crying. Like it won't be able to necessarily tell you. It can't speak the words and say like, oh, this is why I'm scared or whatever. But you hand it back to its mother and it's like it recognizes her scent and her, her, her sway and things like that. And so I think something can be said the same for people with special needs. Like there's still there's still a strong desire that we need to to teach and to instruct to the level of their ability and to also not let not sort of impose any external limitation upon them. Um, but also kind of rest in the fact that like faith is much more about trust and I think goes a lot deeper and then I think we, we kind of um, and, and has much more to do with the, the totality of who you are as a person rather than just like what you can put into words. And so that's important to remember. Um, so I mentioned Matt's Sunday School lesson already. All right, so the church's role. Um, there are typically three types of responses, and so this is where I we're going to go through these, and then I want to open this up for just discussion, um, thinking about the Advents specifically. So Barbara Newman talks about how typically when people come to the church um, and they say, "I have a child with special needs," or "I have," or I, you know, a family member or whatever, the church will respond will respond in one of three ways. Um, they'll respond with, we're so excited, like we're, we're happy that they're going to be here. And this is typically from churches who have already developed some sort of program or just at least have had some sort of interaction um, with, uh, with people with special needs. And she gives an example on page 77 here. I thought that was um, this kind of done really well, especially uh, or at least for helping the, the congregation kind of get used to it. Um, there's a, a part in a worship service where the pastor was preaching a sermon and then um, in the middle of the sermon there was a loud like someone shouted oh no stop or whatever in the middle of it um, and he went ahead and kind of paused his sermon for a, a minute and said like hey um, I think a lot of you have already had the opportunity to meet here and he had had conversations with the parents beforehand to make sure this was okay but he's like I want to just go ahead and take a moment to introduce you to my friend Claire um, she you know loves all these things she also happens to have autism and so for her um, like loud noises are like really sensitive to her and they seem a lot louder than than they do to a lot of us. So occasionally like she'll express herself in certain ways like that. Um, but you know, we just want to like make her feel welcome and things like that. And then he just continues on with his sermon and she had another outburst or two, but at that point like the congregation knew what it was and they weren't alarmed by it. And so it's just him kind of taking the lead um, to make this space like welcoming for her I think is helpful both for her for the congregation and especially the parents because there's a lot of though I, I don't have you know my kids with special needs or anything like that having a brother is not the same thing but there's still like the familial I know what it's like to go out with a brother who like I'm not sure like he's going to do some socially inappropriate things and I'm anxious because I want him to be included and I don't know how other people are going to react. Do I need to stick up for him at this time? Is this something that we just need to ignore? Like, the, there's a lot of tension that goes on in your mind where you really want to, to be an advocate um, for this person in your life. But it can also become exhausting after a while because you're just like, you're always on, on a little bit of an edge. Uh, here and so just just to see that someone else kind of is in your corner as well and then you can actually get into an environment where everyone gets it and then you can relax is like incredibly freeing for like everyone involved 
The second one, and this is probably where a majority of churches fall, um, and I would say maybe the advent to some degree, and this isn't pejorative in any sort of way, um, it's just kind of the way things are and slightly regrettable, is that we really haven't thought much about this for our church. Like, we, we may know, you know, Peggy over here has Down syndrome and someone has, has autism, and that's like, okay, they're welcome here, and their family kind of deals with it, and but we just, we really haven't given it a ton of thought here. Um, and hopefully they're open to the idea of change, but they may just not know exactly what that looks like and what to do in response. Um, they want people to have, with special needs, to have a place. They want them to have a ministry, but again, they're just not really sure how to advance. Um, the Advent might be a little bit ahead of this, but I feel like kind of rests in this area, just with... Um, there was that that meeting recently with who led that up at the Advent House. It was like for I think all the parents of people with special needs. Um, oh, is that the, um, uh, the is this like a special support group? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That how has yeah. has that been going on for a while or is that just like recently? Okay. So that's right. So that's a good sign. That's an indication that we're kind of like coming out of this. But I think, um, again, like, what, what's your wife's name again? I'm sorry. Like, I think what she said last week was, you know, um, telling was that there's there are a lot of people here, but we just really haven't consolidated partially because we're spread out. Um, I know at so. the women's conference uh, two years ago, somebody had led another support group thing. Okay. It was like a breakout session for parents. Wonderful. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Chicago. 
um, who's focusing on empowering people with special needs to be fully integrated. And so he has this like five stages of integration. Uh, so this is just a sort of another model that talks about like how churches are, and this one I think might be a little more helpful, um, kind of where they fall in the spectrum of, of um, actively including people with special needs into their worship and into um, their other ministries. So the first one is ignorance, just kind of like the other one, like they don't know there's a problem, or if they do, it's just it's kind of in the back of their mind. Um, second one is pity. Uh, this is, I guess, better than ignorance, but at the same time, not ideal at all, because again, it, it sort of, um, it, it focuses entirely on the pink aspects of the, of the puzzle piece and doesn't uh, recognize the 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 worth and the value of these people. Um, the third is care, and he says that this is actually where a lot of churches stop. Um, they want to help people with intellectual disabilities, but again, this is still kind of a hyper-focusing on the pink. Like, okay, they have these particular needs, and we're going to provide some sort of education for them. And this is still good, because if, if anything, like, if it even provides the parents just a short reprieve that they can actually go and worship when most of their lives are consumed with taking care of the needs of, of, of their children, then like that's, that's still something accomplished there. Um, but it's still insufficient because, again, it's viewing them only as charity cases. Um, so the fourth one is getting there. It's friendship. It's, it's starting to recognize and identify these people as, um, as actual persons and not just objects of charity. But the five, the fifth one is like our kind of goal, what we want what we want to become, and I mentioned this earlier on, is co-laboring. Um, so at this point, people with special needs, they're seen as important and even integral to our ministry and who we are as, a, as, a, um, as the body of Christ. Okay, so Eric Carter, he was the guy from Vanderbilt. Uh, he has this quote in the article where he says, um, we struggle to see what makes people with disabilities indispensable to the thriving of the body. We tend to not see ourselves as incomplete without the presence and participation, the gifts and friendships of people with disabilities. Um, and I think that's that's an important paradigm shift, is seeing that if we don't have members of the special needs community in our congregation that are thriving, we're actually incomplete. Um, I mean, we, we talk a lot, I, I think, especially in Birmingham, about kind of racial reconciliation. And, and like, if we're a community that's all white, like, that's, that's not really a picture of the New Jerusalem. And granted, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, sometimes doing integrated congregations are, like, the, there's a whole bunch of issues and problems that come along with trying to figure out how to, how to solve those problems. But I think similarly, if we um, are too satisfied with our microcosm or, or our, our, our local congregation uh, just being like a very vanilla in the most basic sense of the term, not even like race, but just kind of like basic uh, congregation, then we're, we're actually kind of anemic and we're missing out on, um, on the gifts that people have to offer. So where is the advent? This is, this is where I want to really, I guess, start to have conversations because I don't know. I don't know the answers to these questions. Um, I'm just a divinity student who like has an interest in this topic, but like, so, so my question is from y'all's experience, where, where would you put us on the spectrum? Let, let's start with that. Like where in either one of the models, but I think the kind of one through five is probably the more helpful one. I mean, yeah, I can just share. Yeah. Early 20th 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing, um, because you know, they took you know uh, the diagnosis seriously and you know, took us seriously. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so you know Cameron and Elizabeth, my wife and I, had a what Cameron called an IEP meeting for because Rocky had slipped in place. So. Mm-hmm. And um, so so that was great. Just, yeah. You know, just to, Certainly, yeah. Sorry, and um, um, and then so Jeremiah just loved the um, that you know you talked about the liturgy, mm-hmm. that's great for people in Yeah. So Jeremiah just loved that. Um, what, what is it called? Atrium. You know, that whole Sunday school area for the kids. Okay, yeah. And he just he would really thrived there. And of course, you know, we're reading the Bible every day at home and praying and stuff. And so for him, just that carryover. Really? Okay. He loves to read the Bible, so they have him. Evidently, he, you know, reads the Bible story. They That's wonderful. That's awesome. They say, "Oh, Jeremiah's a theologian in that class." So he's he's eight, August thirty-seven. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I, I just I just saw you know on that that five level in Right. I, I could see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, mean, I think yeah, it's probably between a three and four. But, okay. But, Wonderful. Well, uh, great. Well, okay. I'm glad to hear that then. Um, I only can speak to really the youth group. Yeah. I don't know that there are any, again, I don't go to all their things, but I do know that all of the students that do have some kind of special need, whatever, mm-hmm. at least all of the staff is aware. Yep. And has, like, you said that you sat with Cameron, so they at least have some awareness level and then some also awareness of how to react, how to right. incorporate them, whatever. So, okay. I mean, that's, to me, that's probably that care level with the three. Right, right. Um, okay. Even, I mean, some of the incorporation stuff may be a four, for instance, sure. stuff. So, I mean, I have very limited experience, but I do know that. Very cool. You have any thoughts or observations or anything? Okay, cool. And no, no, I'm glad, I'm very glad to hear that because I just, my experience has been mainly with a 5 p.m. where we don't have a ton, I think, really, if any people with special needs there. So I, I'm largely ignorant of exactly what's going on, um, kind of throughout the life of the advent in general. Okay, so. Wonderful. Well, yeah, no. Um, 
do you, do we have any thoughts though on like certainly there are always ways where we can improve like what what would be a suggestion I guess of a kind of a next step to make it even better then um, do you, I mean do you have any thoughts on that or well, I mean, this class, I think, is a great subject, you know, okay. and stuff, so just talking about it now. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and I mean, you know, the support group for the moms, I think that, you know, that, that's a big step there as well. Right. I, I mean, I would be curious, I mean, if someone who broke, you know, in the family that you did, yeah. you know, what your suggestions would be. Um... I mean, well, let, let's let's actually let me see what I put here. Yeah, well, so the, so the next the the next few things were just like questions for like what could we do specifically for parents, for kids with special needs, and then for adults with special needs. Um, thinking about my own experience, I guess um, this is something. That I, I probably should actually just discuss with my parents more than anything else, but. Um, it probably would be, I guess, more education just of the laity who, who like, really their biggest, I guess, problem is just it's just not knowing, not knowing what to do and kind of the sensitivities and the delicacies of, of, of some of these things. Because, um, like, I think about, I, I don't think we've ever really had any issue on, um, like, being out not rejected at any sort of church. Um, but I don't think all of our churches have been as welcoming as like the Advent have, has been, um, and and I think that then there also have just been like church friends of my mom, who, especially with my aunts, because my aunt kind of falls in this area of, um, she can have full conversations and is kind of at a functioning level of probably a teenager to some degree, um, so she she falls in this kind of weird realm of like, not immediately obviously kind of in that category of cognitively impaired um, but like that will soon make itself evident um, so she can I think people don't actually take the time and effort to befriend her it's, it's easier like in a way to befriend my brother um, who is aware of his loneliness from time to time like whenever, because there have been definitely times that I've seen him been where he's been passed over and left out, and then actually like see him react in a way that's like, oh, you know this, like you you know you're being rejected right now, and this isn't like you're not just thoughtless over here, like this hurts you. Um, but I think with her especially, um, she will latch on. I kind of mentioned like codependency thing, but she will latch on to some friends who are like grown adults who should know better and who will like kind of become friends with her, but then realize that it's a it's a more challenging commitment sometimes than, than being friends with, you know, your typical person because, like, your interests are going to be different. She has a tendency to fixate on, like, how much she loves our dog, like, talking about the weather, like, things like that. Um, and after a while, they get a little worn out and then don't, like, want to continue that sort of friendship. Um, so... You know, having been here a long time, this isn't really all about special needs. This is more about how you move the needle. Yeah. If you're going to move, if, if Advent wants to move the needle on, mm -hmm. there has to be a champion. 
Right. Whether they're volunteer or paid. Right, right. Because otherwise, it's everybody. Yeah. Um, and so there will have to be a champion. There will have to be intentionality of where you don't merely have a, let's have a meeting. Right. You, you begin by, pre, by talking to certain parents and right. certain family members to try to get them on board right. before you have the, the said meeting so that right. you can already have in place. Um, you know, I'm just going back to the time when uh, we first came here. They just weren't any like young people activities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we ended up, a group of us ended up creating events, calling people, right, the people right, to come, you know, yeah. And I think those same dynamics work here. I think also there's going to have to be differentiation. I mean, yeah. it's almost like yeah. In the space of Roman spectrum, and you know, it's one thing if you have a, a child who comes in and is not very functional. Right. How do you take care of that child versus somebody who's, you know, a high functioning? Right. They may be whether it's hearing impaired or yeah. Um, just thankfully, nowadays kids in public schools, very decent public schools, there's a lot of communication and understanding. Right. About how mm-hmm. do you incorporate? You know? mm-hmm. But I would say. Before you actually, or we would actually begin something sort of open, we build an infrastructure in right. our families and volunteers who we think would actually help do the heavy lifting. And that's that was sort of occurring to me this morning. Um, and I think the Advent's really good about kind of mobilizing the laity and not letting us become dependent on clericalism. Uh, of, of just like, okay, the, the pastors or priests, it's their job to dispense us, you know, whatever. Um, and so it's like, if you see this need, then um, then like offering the empowerment and opportunities to kind of like gather the resources to do that. Do you think there would be, like if, if somebody did something like this, like started to try to organize this group, that there would be interest amongst the families that you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think there does have to be a champion. Yeah. Because it'll just work. It'll, yeah. It's going to be hard work. Yeah. You want to move the needle. Yeah. Right. Someone has the time and the energy, and, and oftentimes, I mean, you can pay. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, that's a, yeah, you have a paid special. Right. You know, it's interesting. We have certain friends that are my age mm-hmm. that have had special, they have special needs kids, but they're now adults. Right. Mm-hmm. It's been interesting watching how, but I mean, those people certainly have experiences and resources. Right. Um, Do any of them go to the Advent? Yeah, like for instance, our junior work right now okay. has um, a grown special needs daughter. Yeah. She's grown, she's probably in her 30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has gone through the uh, Horizon School. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. That was a situation where children would get to a certain age, young mm-hmm. adults, they were, they were functioning. Right. You know, fairly high functioning, but there was really no place for them. Right. And that, that's kind of like the dorm style living where they'll have like a kind of RA who lives with them, right? And will just to help fill in the gaps where they still need assistance, but still allow them to have independence to some degree. Yeah. And they just learn how to be careful themselves. Right. I think that's, that's a very cool. Like that. Okay. 
there. Maybe they're out of town mostly now, but they were main funders for the Horizon School. Very cool. Okay. That might be something. So I think like if we want to move the needle, the next step would be reaching out to those and finding a champion and, and uh, figuring out what we want this, whatever this nebulous idea is to be. Like if it's if it's just a constant support group, is it? Um, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Well, cool. Well, thank you. I think we're actually coming near the end of our time. Are there any closing thoughts, questions for me or in general or before we pray and dismiss? Thank you for, yeah, thank you for yeah, absolutely. So, all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for the complexity and diversity of your body, Lord. Um, we thank you for the advent that has provided uh, space and work towards inclusion and integration of people with special needs. Um, we pray that we will continue in this to minister to and be ministered, um, receive ministry from uh, individuals with special needs. Uh, please guide us in the next steps that we need to do to continue this um, and to proclaim uh, your gospel and your love everywhere we go. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.